0: Hello and welcome to another election special episode of Politics Theory Other, a podcast from Tribune magazine. My guest today is Emma Rees. We spoke about Momentum's plan to win the general election and the inspiration for Momentum's distributed organising model. Apologies for the sound quality not being brilliant today. Uh, We didn't have a great audio connection and Emma was speaking from the always very busy Momentum office. If you've been finding these election special episodes interesting and useful, please think about becoming a supporter of the show. You can become a supporter for as little as $3 a month, which is just over £2, and by becoming a patron you'll get access to extended versions of PTO episodes. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash poll theory other. Emma Rees is a co-founder of Momentum, where she served as national coordinator. In the summer of 2015, Emma volunteered with Jeremy Corbyn's Labour leadership campaign during her summer break as a primary school teacher. Just four weeks after his victory, she became one of three staff members who helped to establish and build momentum from the ground up to a volunteer-driven membership organisation of over 42,000 paying members. Emma continues to support momentum and now also works for the social practice, along with big organising veterans of the Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign. She's also advised campaigns in North America, Europe, Australia and Tanzania. I began the interview by asking Emma to outline the key points of Momentum's plan to win the general election, and you can find a link to the plan in the description of today's show.
1: So, yeah, Momentum's strategy, it hangs on three key pillars. So the first is about people power. The second is about targeting marginals. And the third component is that we need everybody to step up. And the whole the plan to win rests, as I said, on those those three core uh, those three core pillars. So that first one um, about building people power, it's been said before, and it'll be said again that you know we know that the Conservatives are the party that has the money, and uh, they have the media on their side, but what they don't have and what we do have is the strength of a movement and literally tens of thousands of people who are willing to give up their time to go out and to carry the message of what a labor government a radical labor government could do to transform society so we really need to harness and um, harness that people power and that energy and we know that's that's the core part of our, our theory of change um, and that, that second pillar about targeting marginals again Through campaigning efforts last time, we managed to flip lots of seats and and we won in places that were very unexpected. And we know that we're living in incredibly politically volatile times. There are 11 seats that were won by fewer than 100 votes last time. So Mm -hmm. we're being much more targeted and strategic about where we're going to be um, campaigning and encouraging activists to, to campaign. So to that end, we've just recently launched My Campaign Map, which is like my nearest marginal on steroids. So whereas the twenty seventeen my nearest marginal map told people where the nearest marginal seat was to them and mm-hmm. how they could you know when they could go canvassing there, this map it take, you know it's much smarter, it's more data driven and it will be using a number of different metrics to continually update activists about where they can make the biggest impacts uh, when, they're, when they're going campaigning. So things like, you know, if we've had lots and lots of activists that have gone to one particular marginal seat, but there's another seat that's got a much lower contact rate, we'll be able to prioritise uh, the, the seat that's had fewer activists attend to encourage more people to go there. And that will just be continuing, continuing to update itself uh, throughout the campaign period. And then, the yeah, the third principle is the sense of stepping up. Um, and we're taking a, a volunteer-driven approach to campaigning, a uh, distributed organising model, which draws on experiences from the Bernie Sanders campaign in the US and you know various other uh, influences as well, and things that Momentum have done previously. But we're really trying to put that at the centre of how we're organising. So the national office is, you know, setting up distributed volunteer teams. And I think that really comes from the understanding that to bring about the sort of change that we need in society, of which winning Labour winning this election is obviously a cool part, but not the end, uh, it's going to require everybody, you know, we need everybody on side. And we, there's no way that a staffed campaign, any campaign is never going to be able to you know, pay enough people mm-hmm. and bring enough people on the staff members to actually make the, to get to the scale that we need to, to win. So, you know, we're, we've launched, um, I, will, I think by the time this is on air, we will have launched uh, a Labour Legends kind of core campaign ask, where we'll be asking people to take a week or more off work or off their studies to, to sort of commit to campaigning for Labour, right. ideally in the last two weeks of the election. And then we will help people, we'll kind of help place people uh, in the place where they can make the biggest impact with that time. So it's really this sense of everybody all of this isn't going to happen for us, we need to do it and we need everybody to, to step up and to make it happen.
0: In terms of that distributed organizing model that, that you mentioned which which as you say you know draws inspiration from uh, the practice of the in particular the Bernie Sanders campaign for the Democratic nomination last time round, Obviously, a sort of, you know, a more, more traditional, centralised electoral campaign also depends heavily on on volunteers. What's the key difference between the distributed organising model and that more more hierarchical model?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think you can understand it in terms of the staff-to-volunteer ratio. Hmm. So in a more traditional campaign, where the staff are the people who, who know the plan, you know, who know the strategy, uh, who organise the activities, and then volunteers essentially still play a really crucial role. But the volunteer goes, you know, to the campaign office or to the canvassing session, and performs the certain tasks that are directed by the campaign staff member. So that the rate there is always going to be a limit to that ratio, right? How many the staff member only has so many hours in a day, can only spend so much time onboarding new volunteers and training people up and giving people instructions. So that's always going to limit um, how many people can get involved, you and you know, like I remember in the early days at Momentum, we had uh, we would have like an inbox full of people who were desperate to get involved, and at that time there were just three staff members, and it didn't matter how you know the fact that we weren't sleeping and you know, we were working seventy five hours a week, we could only reply to so many people, and we didn't at that point have this, you know think about how much wasted. It makes me cringe thinking back now, like how many so, of those emails were unanswered just yeah. because we didn't have the systems at that point to really kind of utilise all of that energy and goodwill that was there. Mm. All those people who wanted to get involved, wanted to help, but um, were essentially sort of locked out of doing so because, yeah, you know, we didn't have enough hours in the day to reply to emails and follow up on things. So with the distributed model, core functions of the uh of the campaign are run by volunteers and volunteer you know there's radical trust that's put in volunteers and that's the key thing that enables you to get to scale so like now you know within momentum we have volunteers who who perform in a very like structured way the key parts of the organization's operation from aspects of fundraising to recruitment to uh for for instance like you know finding out information about campaigning canvassing sessions and keeping this map constantly uploaded digital output um, you know clipping this is another good example perhaps Uh, we there's a, a small staff team of um who do who are responsible for momentum social media again there's only they've obviously got lots and lots of demands on their time there's only so many TV shows. There's only, you know so much news that they themselves can watch mm. and clip. You know, maybe yeah. a Labour MP said something, that has made a particularly good announcement or particularly good point. Um, you know, or maybe a Tory said something terrible. But they can't be a small team can't be watching all of this, all of the news, all of the time, and ready just in case there's something they want to clip. Whereas we've set up now a distributed clipping team so we've literally got volunteers all across the country this is stuff that people don't have to come into the london head office to do mm. but all across the country who volunteer to watch the news you know a b and c channel ABC uh, a b and c time ready just in case there's something that's particularly good or bad that needs to be clipped. they've been trained up they can clip it it then gets added to a you know a shared drive so that the momentum social media team have got all of this stuff which they can then use to distribute through the channels.
0: Have you got somebody sort of particularly heroic who's just tasked to uh, watch Question Time? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, uh, it, it would take a, it takes a very heroic volunteer to, yeah. <laughs> to sit through some of our mainstream media. But, you know, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that, like, I think with the distributed model, it just enables us collectively to leverage so much more than... Um, so much like the energy is there, the the goodwill is there from volunteers, and it's almost like the campaign just needs to be able to get its level of, like orient, orient its organisation towards maximising that effectiveness of the you know like the energy of all of those volunteers.
0: One thing I was struck by as soon as I saw. As soon as I saw the document and, and read it was the, you know, I think when we think about electoral campaigns, we, we tend to think of it as a very sort of cloak and dagger affair. And we think of, um, you, know, uh, know, you know, I'm sure Momentum has internal documents that aren't seen by everybody. But, uh, but I do imagine that if there's a conservative equivalent of this, it's not something that's going to be so broadly distributed. And it, it almost seems as if Momentum is, is taking the view that we're going to be fairly obvious and open about what our campaign strategy is. And the Tories can do what they like to try and undermine it, but we're confident in what we're doing and, and 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 therefore you know the advantages of being open about it outweigh the fact of the opponent knowing what our strategy is.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it comes back to that third principle of the strategy about we need everybody to step up. Hmm. So if we if we truly believe that people power and volunteers are going to be what what wins this election for Labour then we need so volunteers need to put in significant hours to go out campaigning to go canvassing to do all of the work at the campaign that needs to happen that those people need to understand the plan because you know again it's that it's at the core of the whole philosophy about what we're trying to do this isn't going to happen for any of us like we all have to do it and therefore if we're expecting people to to give up all of, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. We're expecting people to, we're asking people to give up a week or two weeks, take time off work, use up their holiday entitlement hmm. uh, to, to help get Labour elected because we know this is a once in a generation opportunity. Then we need to also give those people, the give the volunteers clear guidance and like a clear understanding of what the plan is. And therefore, you know, the more people who will really understand what it's going to take to win this election, the more people who will be prepared to give up the time to and put the work in to make it happen. And we believe that that is, you know, the advantage of doing that and of taking that approach far outweighs some sort of tactical advantage that we may or may not be giving to to our opponents.
0: So you're not going to be treating volunteers as just doorstep fodder?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, we, you know, we're a big part of, what we're doing is is also encouraging people who who maybe consider themselves to be activists right people who maybe go canvassing they're looped into to some extent with with the local labour party you know local labour party structure we want or we know that this election will only be won if all of those people who see themselves as activists start seeing themselves as organizers and it's no longer okay to just be someone who goes you know, who turns up canvassing. Hmm. We need all of those people who turn up to go canvassing to turn up with, like, five friends or ten friends or to be in a WhatsApp group, which starts off with three people that they know from work. And then by the end of the campaign, hmm. there's 100 people in it. And, you know, and they're organizing to go together. You know, we've got this... Um, we're encouraging people to set up let's-go groups. So it might be, you know let's go Bristol or let's go North London or let's go Colchester or or wherever. Um, So that, you know, and that will be, that's not going to be directed by the national office. If the national office tries to direct all of those, then um, it'll end up probably reducing their, you know, the effectiveness of, of of what potential, the potential that's there
0: one of the contrasts between the Conservatives and and Labour is that there are different centres of of organising within the Labour Party in a way that there isn't with the Conservatives. So uh, there's Momentum, there's Labour HQ, there's the leader of the opposition's office. Is that in any sense uh, a a problem in terms of, you know, potentially working at cross-purposes or working with different organising models? And do you think the Tories have any sort of advantage in having a... Uh, perhaps tighter, uh, centralized operation.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I hope not is the short answer. <laughs> uh, um, I believe that our strength lies in the, in people power, and therefore, if we can get people, as you know, to be making the biggest contributions that they can each individually make, and to be using that time in the most impactful way possible which the my campaign map for example um you know it's geared around helping people to make those decisions themselves about where they can be most impactful that we you know I, I think that that's where if we can follow if we can give people if we can get people motivated and we can give them information about where they can go to be most effective and all of the support um, and encouragement to do that through training canvassing trainings and all that sort of thing uh yeah you know i think that at the end of the day, we need lots and lots and lots of stuff to happen, and I think there's something that's sort of self-generating about that. I remember from the last election as well, from 2017, that there was so there were so many things that so many kind of unintended consequences that came that we never if we'd have tried to plan it all out in advance, we never would have we wouldn't have thought of it all. But through taking an approach, this you know the approach that we did then, which we've really iterated and refined even more now so yeah so many we became much greater than the sum of our parts and and i think that the fact that there are these different poles of attraction as it were within the labor um family (laughs) i see no reason why any of those things would be um would be like mutually exclusive you know if you take a good example perhaps is the community organizing unit which Mm. has been set up now for about a year and a half or so you know they're doing over the last year and a half The community organizers have been doing you know kind of deeper community work within particular key seats and that will undoubtedly have like a you know a really positive impact i think and In the election outcome in those seats, but there are the sort of of thing that's not so
0: visible between campaigns, perhaps.
1: Um, Yeah, exactly. It's that kind of like hard grafting, building work, which isn't always doesn't always have like an outcome straight away. But actually, it's like bringing more and more people into um, into Labour activity and or to view the Labour Party in a different way. You know, and I have no doubt that that will have a. I think we saw actually in the local elections. Last year, which obviously weren't brilliant for Labour, but the places where there had been a Labour community organizer for that point, by that point only for about a year, I can't remember the statistics now, but it definitely showed, um, you know, really positive impact in the places where that work had been going, where right. that that community organizing work had been happening. That doesn't the nature of the community organizing unit means that they're doing deeper work in certain seats, right, in, like, particular communities. So that that doesn't necessarily help the members who are going to be in other seats that aren't on the target list of the community organisers. So that's where, for example, like, the, the distributed approach or the big organising approach that Momentum is pushing forward with totally complements the strategy of the labour community organising. So, we, for example, you know, we know the labour community organising unit which are running persuasive canvassing trainings are targeting all of their key seats so you know momentum's focusing on running um canvassing training in big metropolitan areas where there's probably it's more likely to be a higher percentage of activists um but who perhaps aren't looped in with you know a community organizer for instance um but who that we then want to encourage to go out and canvas and different marginals near them. So, yeah, I see it as totally complementary um, approaches.
0: How does Momentum plan to deal with the issue of the, the variable density of Momentum members in different parts of the country? Because I think, I mean, maybe this is a cliche, but I think the perception is that Momentum is very strong in metropolitan areas and, and, and not so much outside of it. And even in some large cities, I mean, I was, you know, I was recently talking to uh, Alex Niven, who's a member of a momentum group in Newcastle, and he was talking about, you know, uh, how um, that group is, is, is relatively small, despite being in a working class uh, city that, that mostly votes Labour. Is the strategy to get activists from elsewhere to go into those other parts of the country? And is that kind of problematic in the, in the sense of, uh, you know, you're sort of parachuting people into places rather than um, having people, you know, who really know those communities uh, talking to people?
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, that's a good point. I think I haven't looked at the breakdown of Momentum membership very recently, and I know I, I do remember that the northeast was always the the region with the lowest density um, of Momentum members. So, yeah, that doesn't you know unfortunate because also it's a place like where we've where Labour's got a, a lot of work to do to really rebuild um, trust in the in those areas. I think. You know, in an ideal world, you would have people from the local community. You know, it would be everything would be as local as possible in the sense that you would have people from the community going out, and speaking to their their friends, their colleagues, their co-workers, their uh, their neighbours, and um, and I think that that's something that obviously will encourage as much as possible and the the likelihood is that people will travel to marginal constituencies that are within their region so they might be moving Mm. constituency but they'll still be in the same you know within some kind of regional identity or or rough local area i think that in an election there's a balancing act if you know if if we all went to scotland probably not going to help <laughs> if loads of english people went to scotland for example <laughs> you know it might have the adverse effect but i think a bit of yeah a, a bit a, of an invasion around. of
0: scotland is probably not going to help anyone
1: <laughs> exactly exactly just the SNP. um so <laughs> so you know obviously you have to like be careful about it and, and do things in a kind of balanced way but at the same time i also think that there are there are so many similarities between the the struggles that people all over the country are experiencing. You know, food bank usage is the case all across the UK. Uh, There's obviously often this characterisation of, you know, London being the metropolitan elite. And obviously there are so many working class people in London, people who are really, really struggling to get by, who have much more in common with other working class people in a post-industrial area of the East Midlands you know, than they do with a wealthy person who also lives in their same constituency in London. So, you know, I think some of that some of that concern can be overhyped because I think there is there is a lot of common concerns that link people from all across the UK. Um, so whilst I do anticipate that a lot of campaigning will be happening sort of regionally and, and fairly locally, I also think that can be supplemented or complemented by... Some activists from metropolitan areas that are, you know, where there are lots of safe Labour seats going out and canvassing in in solidarity with people in other parts of the country. You know, I think think there's something really powerful, isn't there, about like some of the photos that we've had back from canvassing sessions over this weekend, obviously just days after the election's been called. And there are literally people coming in their hundreds. So on the one hand, people can be concerned that I've got these people who aren't from our local area, they don't know our concerns. But at the same time, seeing hundreds of people come together to go out and to make the case and to make the argument for a different kind of society. That's also that brings, that generates a real, you know, an energy and optimism Mm. and a hope. You know, I think that that hope is contagious. And I think that's really what we need to galvanize. As much as possible this early stage of the campaign i think that will see us through and to a positive result
0: i've seen some of those uh those images being shared on on social media and, and some of them are photos comparing uh local campaign launches from 2017 with those now and and it appears that there are far more people getting involved now i mean is that your sort of general situation of, of of where you're at at the moment as compared with with 2017 that overall it's a sort of a better organized uh more focused uh, and also just larger operation in terms of the number numbers of people that momentum can draw upon because i you know there was that sense um and this it would you know i think probably exaggerated by the media that the last couple of years with all the focus on 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 brexit and and all the you know the tussle in parliament over brexit that this had served to demoralize momentum's base and particularly younger voters who perhaps are you know more pro-remain than the leadership so so where, where do you feel like you're you're at in general
1: i really do feel like this week i mean less than a week has just been like genuinely astonishing like more than we could have more than we could have hoped for. I think the movement as a whole has responded so positively to this election being called. And I think it just, yeah, you know, once again shows how the the pundit class really just, you know, miscalculate where the vast majority of people are at. You know, I think that We've had momentum set a fundraising target just as an early indicator of uh, raising £50,000 in the first two days of the campaign. And that was met within a handful of hours, you know, and as, just as a, you know, as one indicator, we had a, um, a, a election, general election strategy call on Wednesday. So, the, you know, the election was obviously called on Tuesday evening On Wednesday, we had an election strategy call, which 2,000 people joined, which we're pretty confident is the biggest conference call in British political history. Hmm. And, you know, of the 2,000 people on those calls, you know, the the vast majority of people then signed up to go out canvassing. Uh, So it's no wonder, I think, that then this weekend, we've seen these huge mobilisations, which are much, you know, far more people boots on the ground. In, in these seats as well. And it's, yeah, there's definitely, I've seen a number of the stuff doing the rounds on social media of like 2017 compared to 2019. And there's there's genuinely twice as many people. So this, this sort of aspiration, you know, this sort of wishful thinking, should I say, that Labour activists have all become completely demoralised, they've gone up, they don't care about Jeremy anymore, they feel let down on Brexit, this, that, that, you know, this, that, whatever. And um, it's clearly just really cooked up um, wishful thinking that doesn't match the doesn't match the reality on the grounds. And I think people do really know that there's a stark contrast stark choice in this election. And it is a once in a generation opportunity to um, oh god, you you know you can tell when a slogan's like quite good when you feel yourself about to say it not without meaning to I was about to be like, this is a once in a generation opportunity for real change. And I just had to stop myself to So so cheesy but um but you know like it is a we are in a a socialism or barbarism moment Mm. and i think that that's really galvanizing people to get out there and to give everything for the next five or six weeks
0: you've been listening to politics theory other if you've been enjoying the show please consider rating or reviewing it on itunes thanks for listening i'll be back next week